You're listening to the Delay of Game podcast with your hosts, Matt and Wit. Hey, everyone. Are you ready just to hear me talk about week 10? <laughs> just me just overflowing, gushing about how amazing week 10 was. I think it was the best week we've had so far in football. But this is your host, Matt and your boy, Wit. What's up, everybody? Hey, so like I teased, this is week 10 in the NFL. The best week so far. That's how I'm, I'm feeling. I don't know how you're feeling, Wit. You know, I was just going to say, I, I feel like we're saying that every other week. Like, these games are so good. And the fact that Minnesota was one of the games of the week, hell, maybe even one of the games of the season is crazy to me. Minnesota versus the Bills was a lot different than we expected. Why don't we get into it? We're going to save my favorite topic, I think, for last. Let's get into Bills okay. Vikings. I just want to keep going because I want to talk about my game. Fuck yeah, man. Let's go. <laughs> so at this point, are Bills fans about to start sending me like $5 just to stop picking them? <laughs> I keep being wrong on it. Even though these are close games, but the Bills are finding a way to lose primarily because of Josh Allen. Which is crazy because I think everyone was, it was a foregone conclusion. The MVP race was going to be between him and Patrick Mahomes. But you're seeing these second half performances out of Allen and he's throwing these uncharacteristic picks. Like that last one in the end zone to Patrick Peterson. I don't know if he just didn't see him or Gabe Davis was supposed to break across his face. I don't know, but it was an awful pick. It was an awful pick, I believe, on second down, too, right? You can't turn over the ball there when a field goal ties the game and keeps it going. Exactly. And I think that's part of, like, Sean McDermott's uh, aggressive mentality where he's like, I don't settle for field goals. I won't win games. But we've seen that bite plenty of teams in the ass. So I'm not putting this on him. Oh, definitely. Like, I'm not putting this on Sean McDermott in any way, really. It's just... There is a question that needs to be raised at this point because over like the last four games or something like that, Josh Allen has thrown like six picks. That's going to lose you a bunch of games. And that's what we've seen back to back weeks where the turnovers have cost them the game. They're still a great team, got Mm -hmm. tons of talent all over. But if that keeps happening, they're going to be out of the playoffs quick. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we can all agree that they should make the playoffs but the way that Miami's playing I think Miami might win their division and Buffalo's hoping for a wild card spot which is crazy I believe with these two losses they are now third in their division because the other teams the Jets are ahead of them the Jets that's not good (laughs) it's true like the Jets have been the whipping boy of the NFL for a long time but now that they're relevant again I don't know up is down right is left it's like topsy-turvy world here it's been that way through all these weeks, and week 10 did not disappoint us. Now, we've been talking about the Bills. The Vikings. We've been giving them some shit. because They almost lost to the Commanders. We said they've been a facade. They're uh, in pretenders. Yes. They beat the Bills. Do you believe in them now? No. I still don't believe in them. If it weren't for some of the flukiest plays I have ever seen in my life, that 4th and 18 uh, catch by Josh, Justin Jefferson was amazing. But... How often are you going to fumble on the one yard line and then your defender scoops it up for a touchdown, which then puts you ahead? Like, let's not forget, Josh Allen still got his team in a field goal range to tie the game with like 40 seconds left. So I'm still not sold. I think they are who we thought they are, which I feel like I say a ton, but they're a good NFC team. Yes. The NFC is not all that strong from what we're seeing. Absolutely. And the crazy thing, though, is this is a game where we got like dueling Kirk Cousins. 4 p.m. Kirk showed up at some point. Then 1 p.m. Kirk showed up at the second half. And like I thought for sure that this was a game that they were primed to lose. But they pulled it out. For sh- I don't know how else to describe it other than Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. willing that team. Like, I was gonna say, I, they, you can't put enough emphasis on that catch. Yeah, they needed a huge game from him, and he delivered 100% to keep oh, up with that Bills offense. Almost 200 yards receiving. Fuck. On 10 target, or I'm sorry, on 10 receptions. That's nuts. But what we've seen, like last week, if you can cover him and slow him down, which is 
really hard. Really damn hard. That messes up their offense a lot. Oh, yeah. And at one point in the game, it was like the middle of the game, Justin Jefferson kind of went silent. And then who picks it up? You have guys like Adam Thielen who are trying to contribute. And then that huge 81-yard run by Dalvin Cook. Like They had guys step up when Jefferson Jefferson wasn't the guy. So it was a great team win. And I don't want to take anything away from it, but I'm like you. I think they are exactly who we think they are. Which is a good team. They're a top team in the NFC. It's just that top isn't very high right now. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about some of that later for sure. That's right. But uh, let's look at the next game. We talked about this one last week. It was Indy versus Las Vegas. What? All right, guys. I called all my other picks wrong. But (laughs) fuck it. I got this one right. (laughs) Silver lining. You know what? I I love your attitude, Matt. (laughs) That's what matters, man. I called the rookie. Just not even, you can't call him a rookie head coach. He's just a guy off the street who knows somewhat about football because he's played it. So he knows a lot, but he doesn't know anything about coaching, whatever. He's not a coach other than by name. Head coach comes in and beats the new NFL whipping boy, Josh McDaniels. Established coach. <laughs> God. Not only is he the established coach, but he has the superior talent in somehow, some way. Jeff Saturday comes in here. Matt, this is turning out to be a made-for-TV movie. Like, we are going to see all about this in, like, three years. Like, I don't get it. It makes no sense. At this point, Josh McDaniels, I don't care what Mark Davis says. There's no way he can still be happy with that hire. No, you got to fire him. Mark Davis is just making terrible decision after terrible decision. Oh, yeah. And we called this, I believe, from day one with the hire. We're like, we don't Mm -hmm. get this hire. We hate it. He has done nothing but disappoint us. Now, he's finally getting Devontae Adams involved, but the defense isn't as good as it was, and they're just not playing as a team as well as they were last year under mm-hmm. what's-his-name that you know. Uh, Rich Basaccia. <laughs> Basaccia. Uh, Bas- yeah. Uh, under him. So you got to look at the head coach then. You know, and not only that, but – it definitely helps when one of the best uh, running backs in the league and Jonathan Taylor comes back, breaks off some huge runs like that definitely helps your team win. But there should be no excuse, none whatsoever, that Josh McDaniels got out coached like he essentially got out coached by a substitute teacher. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oof. I don't know how they let Josh McDaniels retain coaching after that happens. That's such it, it a can't, blemish. It can't work. As you as a head coach, you just got to be like, sorry, dude. Like, you're done. <laughs> that yeah, should be an automatic oh. firing. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Considering how, I mean, how bad they're doing as well. Two and seven. This is a team that either, did they make the playoffs last year or at least they competed? They did. Yeah. No, they did. And then this year, they've just completely fallen apart. Yeah. I want to say they were like a 10 win team last year. Yeah, like, after firing, what's his name? After they, firing John Gruden, yeah. John Gruden, they ripped off a bunch of wins. And then bringing Josh McDaniels, all of that's gone. So I will say this, though. As much as that entire loss is unfathomable to me, the press conference afterwards with Dave, with Derek Carr, so a lot of people were like, oh, that showed a lot of courage and that was awesome. And I'm not here to shit on him. Like, I'm not going to say that showing emotions is wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think the problem that I have and I would have as a fan of the Raiders is we've seen the same song and dance from you being emotional and upset after a loss. That doesn't change your play. That doesn't change the outcome of these games. At this point, I would be sick of seeing it. Like, that's just me. Had to deal with a lot of bullshit though with the Raiders. He has. They need to send him to Washington for Carson Wentz, (laughs) just straight up. (laughs) Well, I mean, we can already see Bryce Young in the silver and black next season. Like the way this is going, there's no way Derek Carr can stay there. And Mm -mm. how fucked up would that be for uh, Devontae Adams, who came there to be with his friend, (laughs) and then they ship him off? Oh. You think out of all this, the, my bold prediction, somehow, because Mark Davis is an idiot, 
that he's going to keep Josh McDaniels and think, I just need a new quarterback. So Bryce Young goes there. Everything else stays the same, and it's going to be ugly. It is. It's going to be real ugly. And I guess people are going to look at what he did with Mac Jones, the, the rookie year, and say, oh, he knows how to develop a guy. I don't know if he knows how to develop a guy. I think it's a situation where Mac Jones just fell into the right situation and it played to his strengths. He's got a proven player in Derek Carr who's been to Pro Bowls, who's been successful. He's not putting up terrible numbers. It's a leadership issue. It's not a talent issue. Nailed it. Yes, 100% head coach leadership problem. We've seen that Josh McDaniels can drop a great offense and take advantage of his players and put them in positions to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's a different, whole different thing where you're trying to actually lead the entire team, especially if you feel like you're still going to be the offensive coordinator and do all of that. It's a lot to put on someone's shoulders who already failed doing that. Exactly. Like you can have good coordinators or good assistants, but not good head coaches. Both of those statements can be true. I think Josh McDaniels excels as a coordinator. I think Dan Quinn excels at a coordinator. Head coaching just is not in their wheelhouse. Not for everyone. Now, for the Colts, I mean, you you have a random dude be your head coach. As a fan, <laughs> though, you got to enjoy it, I guess. That's all you can do, right? You got to win. You saw Jonathan Taylor kick ass. Enjoy that win, right? I mean, definitely. If you're a Colts fan, you're taking the Jim Ursay approach to life right now. You let everybody <laughs> shit on you for a week. You get your win, and then you do your your victory laps. Like that's that's the only thing I would find comfort in if I was a uh, an indie fan right now. There there isn't much else to look forward to. No, they're four, five, and one, which is kind of still in that long shot playoff hunt. I can't see it keep going. The wins probably aren't going to be stacking up though for him. Matt, don't you fuck around. And then make the wild card or something. <laughs> because my prediction of a made-for-TV movie then quickly becomes a made-for-cinema movie. Okay? After they get to the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. Like, don't don't screw around and ruin this. <laughs> I don't think that can happen. Matt, I've already started writing the screenplay. So <laughs> when it pans out, I'm ready to sell immediately. <laughs> so... Just saying, if Kurt Werner can get a movie made about him, Jeff Saturday can get a movie made about him. Just go to Netflix. They always seem to be producing new stuff. Hell yeah. So and Netflix might be an HBO oh, movie, though, with, or TV show with Jim Ursay involved. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I haven't really flushed out his character completely yet, but I imagine it will be a lot of debauchery. Just over the top beebs. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Just the way and, I see. It. <laughs> I was gonna say now the the other game we want to talk about, which was the game that was our bonus coverage last week. Huge game, I think the biggest upset of the week. One of the bigger ones, I think, of the season. In my yeah, mind, I don't, least. I don't think there's anything else you can compare it to. A hundred percent. Props to you. You called this one. You said Commanders beat the Eagles. They go out. Little help up from the refs, but they do their job, get it done. So, okay, I agree. They got help from the ref with that face mask miss, but I don't think you could put this on the ref. Look at Brandon Graham. I mean, Tyler Heineke, he was kneeled for at least two seconds and still got hit. Like, this is on him. That was a really dumb penalty that we've seen. Washington lose on we've seen other teams lose on these where they give the Mm -hmm. ref an opportunity to throw the flag and in that situation they basically feel they have to otherwise they're going to get in trouble with their job because the quarterback got hit late and that's what the letter of the rule says exactly don't follow it they're going to get in trouble especially when it's on prime time and it's right there for everyone to see like there's nothing you can do and the back judge is right in front of them like if the quarterback gives himself up and gets touched, that's an automatic flag. There shouldn't be any looking around by Sirianni or anybody else like, oh, why did you throw that? No one throws that flag. No, 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 no. You need to pick that up and be like, okay, nope, I understand what's about to happen here. All I can say is that guy, the ref who threw that has some big old balls. Because to do that at the link to ensure the Eagles are losing takes oh, guts. That man took a backdoor out of that stadium. 
don't don't get, get fooled. Get some <laughs> okay. secret service on him. <laughs> he needs some protection. The witness 100%. protection program, whatever you gotta do. A hundred percent. But not even to talk about just like th- that one particular play. I think this game was a a crescendo of what we've been expecting from the commanders, at least what you would hope as soon as Taylor Heineke and then the change with uh what's his name? The uh Jackson. When Jackson got uh yeah, when William Jackson released. left and the defense like, has gotten better and better week by week. Heineke really put it together, showed command of the offense. He only had that one bad throw under throw, which was on third yeah. down. He was trying to make a big play. It was essentially a big punt. So it's hard exactly. to fault him on that one. Now, I will say this. So Heineke, he already has an arm strength issue, but I did notice something. He doesn't like to look off, especially when there's a too high safety. He doesn't hold the safety. Like that interception of McLaurin, McLaurin was open. He just didn't hold the safety. The safety just started drifting almost instantly. Like that makes the difference. Those little nuances. But outside of that, Taylor Heineke is your clear quarterback uh, of this team, at least for this foreseeable season. That's the stuff he still needs to learn. He's only, what, 19 games into his season, like his career. His career, yeah. So he's still a very young quarterback. That's only slightly over one year. That's the sort of stuff, if he was going to stay a starter and try to be successful, he's got to pick up those tools and tricks to get guys, even that get that extra half a second. That's all you needed, right, in that play. If they Mm -hmm. just had a tiniest bit more time, the stuff that made Drew Brees so incredibly successful. When he didn't have the world's strongest arm, he had great accuracy and he was great at moving guys off the ball and getting safeties, running the wrong direction and throwing to a guy who's wide open because the coverage went the wrong way. Oh, a hundred percent. And now looking at the other team's quarterback play, do you think this is going to quell the Jalen Hurts MVP talk or will he get a pass because the defense essentially gave the game away? I would hope this slows it down so people can finally come back to what we're talking about where he's playing very well but let's stop calling him like the MVP let's stop saying the Eagles are just going to roll to the perfect season and get into the Super Bowl and win it let's mm-hmm. calm it down let's talk they're doing great they're a very good team all around which is they don't have a lot of weaknesses which I think why they're winning so much right but he's not the world's greatest he's not top five or anything like that yet let's Let's pull it back some people. Right. Like, I, I think that we get into this mindset in the NFL where either a guy is a bust or he's the second coming. A guy can't just be good anymore. Jalen Hurts has been efficient with the ball. He hasn't put it in a lot of danger. I want to say he only had, what, has four picks on the season or something like that. Yeah. But it's because he doesn't throw a whole lot. And when he does, his guys are just open. Laters. Nice. You can't fault him for having great receivers, but just yeah. try to be uh, objective when you're evaluating a guy. And there's guys like Ben Roethlisberger. We never consider him a top like three quarterback, but he mm-hmm. got rings, right? Eli Manning, not a top quarterback. He got a couple rings too. You can be a good quarterback and be successful. You exactly. don't have to be, just always be the best ever or the worst ever. Yeah, exactly. And as a Cowboys fan, I love shitting on the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts isn't the reason that this team lost last night. He is part of the reason why they're winning because of his decision-making and his ability to move in and out of the pocket. It's not his arm. Like, he had a very Jalen Hurts night. I think he was, like, 175 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he, be okay with that. What happened is that the Washington Commanders were very good at stopping the run for the most part, or at least keeping them from just getting the run game really going and dominating. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to run on them, especially once what's-his-name got hurt. Uh, well, he's been hurt, so he didn't play today. The D-tackle they drafted. Oh, um, he was really Jordan stout Davis. up the middle. Jordan Davis, yes. Yeah. I think a lot of other teams are going to start doing this, where they're going to start just running up the middle. They have a hard time stopping that without Davis there, because mm-hmm. their edges are much more about pass rushing. And then you just stuff the run. Hope for the best on those good receivers <laughs> and take it from there. Okay. I mean, so those were the three games that I really wanted us to earmark and talk about. Like, why don't we go ahead and start transitioning over into like some of the topics? And we kind of already touched on one of them, but because you called it, 
and you appear to be an expert. Let's talk about Jeff Saturday a little bit here. He gets his first win. Do you think there's any there there to his success? Should we expect more wins? Ooh, I think one game is a surprise. We see this all the time where people come out their first time starting at quarterback. First mm-hmm. time someone's doing something, people don't know how to game plan, don't know what you're going to be doing, and you end up winning. Which is what I believe I said why I thought maybe he had a chance. Because it's like, you just never know. And also, a lot of these guys are playing for jobs. They realize if a new head coach comes in, they could be cleaning house on a lot of people, right? It happens all the time. So yeah. we've seen this too, where just you know coordinators and stuff come in and they are successful. I think he okay. will be a harder time sustaining it than some of the coordinators due to his lack of experience. Severe lack of experience. His none. No, yeah. Severe is not an understatement in this case. And like. this isn't the best team out there. So when you start having adversity, that's where it's going to really test him. And I don't know if he's going to be ready for it. I'm going to say no. Okay. So I think though, the thing that might be in his favor is if you look at some of the games they've got coming up, the teams that they're playing are weak against the run. Like next week, they've got the Eagles. Eagles don't play the run very well. They've got the chargers coming up. They've got the Cowboys coming up. Like, if Jonathan Taylor can keep them in these games, there's always a chance. But I would agree with you overall. The the fun fairy tale story doesn't have the happy ending here. Like it was cool, but don't expect more of that. I have to wonder how many of the people are going to be buying into playing as a team for the rest of the season on the Colts. How many mm. of them are going to be I'm padding my resume to be going on to somewhere else? looking to the future. I'm going to just be trying to make sure my stats look good enough. So I stick around because the new coach won't necessarily know if I'm in the system, if I'm doing things just right, they'll just see that I got a pick or I got a sack, even though I was out of position and I shouldn't have been doing that. I worry about those things because you don't, you can't imagine that you believe Jeff Saturday is going to be the long-term answer. They didn't bring him in for that. They're just like, Hey, let's get you some experience because you're my buddy. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to get someone else next year. You know, that's a very good point. Like, how many of these guys are going to be able to to go all in, put their bodies on the line for a guy who most likely won't be there next season? That's that's a really good point. You don't you don't factor that one in. If Jim Ursay rolls in the next season with Jeff Saturday <laughs> as, as their head coach, <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. So We're gonna have to do something just nuts because that's insane. To even think that that could be an actual idea but jim ursay is pretty crazy though so who the fuck knows dude's a wild card all right and if there's anything i love more than a wild card it's a hooker so (laughs) (laughs) since we ain't got no hookers in the league the wild card's gonna have to be my top pick oh i just gotta love these owners like the one job they have to do is not be an idiot and he is yes trying real hard to fuck that up wait all you have to do is Write the check. Put someone in charge to run the show. Make the make the decisions. You don't have to interject your or inject yourself into all of that shit. And we keep seeing owners want more and more of the limelight, right? Like, I want some of the credit for putting together these teams. And it's just in every situation, it has not worked out in their favor. No. My only thought, my last thought on this is, do you think he did it so they could tank without just saying that they're tanking to try to get a top spot so they could draft another quarterback. Cause that worked with luck, right? They sucked for luck. They got him. Yeah. They were good for a bit. At least they showed a lot of promise. Did he try to do that again? And it's just so, like, Oh shit, we won. If that was his, if that was his beautiful mind moment, like I'm going to be playing 40 chess while everyone's playing checkers moment. I don't think he's thought this all the way through. <laughs> Okay, there are no generational talents like Josh, uh, like uh, Andrew Luck in this draft coming up, right? You don't have that to bank on. The other side of it is, Jeff. From everything I've read, Jeff Saturday is his friend. Like you don't want to fuck over your friend. So I don't know, but let's not put anything past Jim Irsay. Let's let's see how that shit plays itself out. More to come, hopefully. Hopefully, whenever the all the other stuff comes out, we'll find out more. But we'll see what happens. All right. What was the next thing we had here? So we, we alluded to this. We talked a little bit about it. 
but let's maybe put it in more definitive terms. How concerned are we about Josh Allen's second half performances, second half turnovers that are costing the game? Yeah, I I think we have to start really looking at these things because for no other reason, they will continue to compound on themselves as the season goes on, right? And I know that he injured his elbow, but if you go out there, you're you have to deal with the consequences. If you're not 100%, it doesn't matter. You still decided to go out there. So when you make these decisions or you make these picks, then you have to deal with that. And good on him. He at least calls himself out. Like he says, you know, when your quarterback plays like shit, you're going to lose. So he at least recognizes it, but there has to be some concern. And then you have to worry about, is this going to start affecting him the rest of the game, right? Or is he going to start pulling back? Or is he going to be able to play with just that utter confidence that a QB one needs to be able to do and trusting himself? Or is he going to start second guessing things, which will cause a myriad of other problems. We also haven't seen amazing, great Josh Allen for all that long, just to be fair. That's true. I think we've been spoiled right from the last two seasons where he's been spectacular. We've had great games from him and his team, but I think part of that you have to take into consideration is we didn't have a lot to go off of now that we have expectations, right? Like you were just saying, maybe that's really where it's coming into play. They also are in the spotlight too. I mean, I don't know if, if this happened other times, but now every single throw, every single situation is getting scrutinized a lot more. Oh yeah. They do have Super Bowl expectations at this point. It's a lot so, different than what he was when he kind of had his breakout year. So I I do want to spring up one thing, and I don't know if it's something that is as big a concern, considering his stature, like he's just a big, thick kid, but he's taken like 18 sacks over the season, and it's only like week 10. So he still has, what, another eight weeks to go plus the playoffs. I think that's got to start wearing on you in some way. Getting sacked... <clears throat> is a lot worse for the quarterback other than just getting hit, right? It's mentally you, your clock starts to change. It starts to get affected. So you're throwing it a little bit quicker. Maybe you're rushing your motions. Mm-hmm. So the more you're getting hit, the more you're getting sacked, and the less trust you have in your O-line, we're going to start seeing some of those decisions, especially in the big moments. You have a lot going on, and if that's another thing that you don't need to worry about, then that could be a big reason why there's interceptions here, especially late in those high-pressure situations. Right. And the other side of it is maybe it's not all on him. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's more so or maybe it's partly the injuries on the defensive side because they've had a lot of big leads that they've blown in the fourth quarter. So maybe that's part of it. But there is some combination going on here for sure. I think it is certainly starting to become a concern. The first game was like, okay, well, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to lose some every now and then. You're going to make a mistake. Everyone's allowed one. Back-to-back games where you throw an interception that basically cost you the game, mm-hmm. that is starting to become a little bit of a concern or a trend. Okay, so your official synopsis is you've got the hot plate on warm. Not hot, no, but real low. It, it's on. It's on. I still think he's a great quarterback. Obviously, he has a phenomenal arm, lots of mobility, athleticism, everything you want. It's just... You know, I kind of wonder, too, is it that, like you said, the head coach mentality, we're going to either win or lose. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to go 110%, pedal to the metal. We're going all the guns blazing. We're not going to be conservative, even though it's those big moments where, like, hey, we could just take a field goal. He's pushing it the whole time. So maybe that just leads to mistakes, too. Could be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for them, for sure. Like we were saying, this team is primed for a playoff spot it'll just be how high they are in the uh in the afc rankings so um what was the next one? Oh, right so my cowboys mike mccarthy in overtime he elects to go for it on a fourth and four as opposed to kicking the field goal now i have a thought on it but as an unbiased fan or an unbiased nfl fan what are your thoughts on the decision so let's walk us through. Where were they at? They were at like the 35, 36, something like that. And answer me this. Do they have mm-hmm. a kicker who recently has been nailing 50 
two-yard field goals. Yes. And a field goal would tie the game. No, a field goal would put you in front with in overtime. In overtime. Yes. So this decision so then, was made in right, overtime. They, were trying to, they had the ball first. Okay. Right. So I think that was pretty dumb. This is yet again where we see Mike McCarthy kind of make a head-scratching decision. Okay. All right. Because Brent I, Maher has been nailing these. And then you just go make your defense, play some defense. They're pretty damn good at times. At times, yeah. So I get like that would be the conventional thinking, the conventional wisdom. But the more I thought about it and the more I looked at it because I was shitting. Okay. Like I wasn't yeah, thrilled. I imagine you were hot. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, it was like, okay, the analytics say that a 50 plus yard field goal, you're looking at 50%, 52%. Fourth and four, like a play, you're looking at 49%. So they were fairly close. Then the other factors, that same direction that he'd be kicking into, uh, Mason Crosby, Crosby had already shanked one due to the wind. Okay. So I guess the thought process is if we miss, like if we miss it, then they get the ball at the spot. But if we try and don't get it, they're still going to get the ball at the spot. You want to play your best hand. So after that thought, I was like, okay, I'm all right with it. Because initially I wasn't. But my problem was more with the play call itself. They had a lot of routes that needed time, and you only needed four yards. Like, that was my issue, the play call itself. So that is a kind of a soapbox for me. <laughs> okay. When it's fourth down, or say if you're a team that's like, hey, it's third down and we're going to punt. And it's maybe a pressure situation, though. Why are you trying to get 20, 30, 40 yards? Or 10 yards? Or these long developing plays? Thank you. Get to Just the sticks. Get the first down quick. Quick pass game. If you're going to throw it, mm-hmm. slant or quick out or something, that's really hard to cover. And four yards is not all that far for a guy to run. It's not. So I agree. Don't throw it behind the line of scrimmage either and expect him to break a tackle. Don't do a fucking screen. No. Let him make a move on his cornerback or the secondary or linebacker whoever's got him and throw him the damn ball. It's not that hard. It's not complicated. And to your point, the Cowboys did try to do that on third and four, but that was the mysterious no call uh, defensive pass interference on uh, Jair Alexander. Like he got there early. They didn't throw the flag. So then it moved to fourth down. So the Cowboys did try to do exactly what you're talking about, but they did it a, 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 a play too early because that fourth down play was <sighs> not, not good. I mean, I get, I think the thinking is that, well, the defense is playing for that, right? They're going to be playing for that short. So we're going to trick them and go deep or something. And then, but just send some people deep or make it look that way. And then just do a drag route or something. Do something agreed quick and then just get it. It doesn't seem all that hard. It's like when people on fourth and one do like a toss play. Oh my God. You're like, oh my, you're tossing it five yards back. It's taking forever to get going. No, just have a quick developing play on these downs. Yeah. You're You're tossing it five yards back and then you're trying to beat, uh, beat the defensive end and the line and the linebackers to the edge. Like, no, that's, you're making it way harder than it needs to be. I, yeah, I don't get the teams that do that. I mean, it's well, hindsight, but yeah, I hate those deep passes. So if they had gone, I guess, just another quick slant and just hoping for the best, maybe we'd be more in line or inclined to do it. But with Maher, he makes a lot of them. Now, I guess I didn't take into account the wind. I don't want to just dig in because that's what oh, I said. I get it. I get it. But he's been pretty damn good lately for him. He has. He really has. I, got, I think he's missed one field goal, and it was because it was a block. So I like the chances of if you get that field goal, you kick it off to him, and now you get your defense to pin their ears back and just try to – all you got to do is stop them, and you win the yeah. game. So I, I'm with you. I, I would have pref- liked to have seen them try to kick, but I'm not upset with the call. I'm not upset with the call at all as a Cowboys fan. I mean, we like to talk about you go and win the game. You would hope – with the way the the Packers have been playing, and with um, everybody you have on the Cowboys offense, Dak mm-hmm. and all those guys, C.D. Lamb was going off pretty well. Oh yeah, that you could make something happen. So, but just be smart about the play. Don't do something crazy, and don't do yeah, like a long developing play. Exactly. Unless you're that, gonna do like that's a QB really the- rollout that threatens the run. 
Because then they're like, there oh, you go. fuck. Four yards isn't that far to go. And then you give time for the guy to do like a drag route 10 yards deep. Hit him. Don't make it hard, though. Yeah. Like, to me, like, a design QB run would have been perfect there. Like, it would have been perfect. That like, Dak be. is a thick dude. I think he could have gotten you the four yards. Again, no problem with the with the call of going for it. Problem was with the play call itself. That's so. fair. We've seen quite a few questionable offensive play calls from your future offensive guru, apparently. Oh, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next topic we got here? Next one, we're coming back to me. All right. So, Heineke. Exactly. I, so I'm going to tee it up for you. Okay. Yeah. We're going to head on over to Matt's corner. This is where you get to preach to us. Okay. For the rest of the season, is this Heineke's team or do the commanders actually consider going back to ones? I will put this on record. I will burn the stadium <laughs> to the ground if they put Wentz in at quarterback. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's got to be Heineke at this point, right? He just delivers you the game of the season with the way he's playing. Not even just that, right? He's three and one, mm-hmm. right, in the four games. And they were a, a play or two away from that game against the Vikings. Like, was, they could have easily been 4-0 and with Heineke. Real close. Yeah. And he, all he does is basically win with the Washington. Last season, he won a bunch of games, too. It goes back to what I said last week. This is a different team when he is mm-hmm. the quarterback. You can see the guys around him playing for him. It appears that Terry McLaurin and him have some sort of chemistry, right? They, they've been doing it for two seasons together. There's something there. Carson Wentz, it looks like the team is out there playing. Not for him, but they're playing because they're paid to play. Like it does, You don't see that same passion, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a noticeable difference, and it's what separates a lot of quarterbacks. Is can mm-hmm. you get guys to rally and can you lead them? Can you rally them? Can you motivate them to play beyond themselves and make big mm-hmm. plays? Plus, the huge difference is you're right. He likes throwing Heineke likes throwing to Terry McLaurin for whatever reason. Wentz didn't. Yeah. Why the fuck aren't you th- getting your best player involved? Exactly. I'm telling you. I think it's Scott Turner was afraid to throw over the middle with uh, with Carson Wentz. I that's the only thing that makes sense to me. He know I think Scott Turner knows that Taylor Heineke will play within the system. He will play within his own limitations for the most part, and he'll keep the chains moving. He's not going to put you in bad situations by holding the ball for 30 minutes and then taking the sack. It's a key difference is what you just said. It's that pocket awareness or just that football awareness to mm-hmm. take a negative play and make it a just a mediocre play or something, or just like a middle of the road. I don't know. Like when he had that snap over his head, yeah, he went running back, he grabs it and he has the presence of mind to make sure he's out of pocket and then just chuck it. So it hits past the line of scrimmage, not intentional grounding. I, I like would hundred percent guarantee you Carson Wentz is going to try to make a play. Carson Wentz. Yeah. He's going to try to run for it and throw it and get sacked or yes. something stupid like that. And you're like, what the hell are you doing, man? He did bonehead play after that all the time where he just held it for too long, thought he could outrun people, and then got sacked instead of just throwing it away. Live to play another down. Yep. And nothing, and we talked about this one in our text, but nothing encapsulates encapsulates the difference between their game more than that fourth, that, what was it, third down where uh, Heineke just took the knee and got hit. You're, I have a hard time believing that if that was Carson Wentz, he's just going to keep trying to run around and trying to run around till he can find somebody. Carson Wentz is getting sacked or throwing a pick on that play. Oh, 100%. 100%. Even though they covered it, the credit to the Eagles defense, they covered everyone. There was no one downfield open. Wentz mm-hmm. is still going to be trying it. He's Yeah. He is making trying to squeeze every second possible to try to make a play. He's got to be heady. And fortunately for him, for every reason, that's not his game style. And he just doesn't have the tools anymore to play the way that he needs to or wants to play. Yeah. Watching Carson Wentz, he is the ultimate home run ball. It's boom or bust. Like, if it's not there, he doesn't he doesn't believe in a bad play or a dead play. That's the, that's the difference. Heineke, he is very 
football aware and situationally aware, right? Like he knew that they could win this game. All he had to do was just go down. Don't try to do too much. And we've seen that maturation over the 19 games or the season and plus that he's played for Washington. I don't know if Heineke from last year would have done that, but we haven't seen any sort of growth in Carson Wentz over what his 10 or I don't know, but 10, but seven years playing now. You think yeah. as a 31 year old vet, you would also be able to do those things, but we haven't seen it. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I'm going to take the stance with you. I'm not going to declare that I would commit to commit a felon, felony with you, <laughs> but I will agree that there's no reason you turn back to Wentz after this. It, he can be the backup. I get you. People love his arm because he has the better arm. He can get those deep passes. He has multiple 300 yard passing games. Heineke is not going to do that consistently, but he puts you in positions to win more. There it is. I mean, that encapsulates it pretty tightly. Just sit back, get that Ryan Fitzpatrick package, like collect your 30 mil on the bench, man. Don't worry about it. All right. So let's move on. I'm thinking talk about LA Rams. Okay. I'm here for that. Uh, you know what? And it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. Like we kind of touched on that other stuff before. So the Rams would be a good spot to keep going. Um, what what do you think is going on with them? God, uh, from the Super Bowl to what they are now is a huge problem. I get the feeling just I haven't got to watch them enough. Mm-hmm. But for my red and everything, their O-line is just terrible. Yeah. They usually are really good at least getting enough players in there to have an okay O-line that allows time for the offense to go, and it's just not happening anymore. Exactly. And to me, it's the philosophy that Les Snead has taken, right? The fuck them picks philosophy. The problem is, with that for that philosophy, it's home run balls only. Because those picks get you depth. And now that you've got no O-line, Cooper Cup's about to be out for at least four weeks, there is no depth on that team. They don't have role players. That's where the picks come into play. And with especially when you're only drafting what, like a handful of guys late in this, the rounds, the yeah. odds of getting just key contributors, role players, depth guys is so much harder. And then you made me think of something. Who is he trading for when he makes these trades? He's mm-hmm. trading for star players for like, you know, cornerbacks and other, you know, people who we think uh, pass rushers. He's mm-hmm. not trading for O-linemen. I haven't seen any of that happening. Not at all. Building online or getting Hey, he wanted to trade for, uh, yeah. Trent Richards. No, uh, Trent, Trent Williams. Williams. Sorry. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to trade for Trent Williams, that'd be a different story. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, but he hasn't done that for years. We've seen him largely neglect the online and just kind of keep it together with some older players they've had and not a whole lot else. And well, and now I am in the ass. Yeah, and now they've kind of fucked themselves because they have no picks to address the O-line in the draft, right? So they're going to have to rely on free agency, get a guy who's old, or get a young guy who's not very good. And the problem with old O-linemen is it's hard to trust them for a full season. Mm -hmm. And then O-line is also one of those positions where we can see consistently the higher you draft them, typically the better they're going to be. There's a lot of correlation with that. Yeah, like, yes, there are outliers, Alex Leatherwood and Robert Gallery and all that, where guys get taken high and they just don't pan out. But more often than not, if you take an offensive lineman anywhere in that, I'd say in that 15 to maybe 45 range of picks, the dude's going to work. It's like, such, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's such a premium position in the draft, especially like say left tackle, that you have mm-hmm. to draft them early or at least all that talent is being gone by, say, the third round. Have they had a third round recently? No. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the repercussions of fuck them picks. Yeah, I'm not saying they have to draft a top 10 lineman every season, but you know, second, third round is a great sp- spot to find starters for exactly. your guards, for your right tackle. You get them on exactly. a cheap contract, get people, get depth. But they there haven't been go. doing that. They've been we've talked about it before with their strategy of getting just about eight to ten marquee players and then just filling in with a lot of either cast offs or those, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders that they have sticking around. Yeah. Everyone just stay healthy. That's 
That's really what it is. Like, that's their hope. We trade away everything. We get these blockbuster guys. We just want you to stay healthy. And when that doesn't happen, this is what you're seeing. We've seen a lot of teams suffer with bad O-line play. That's just a kind of segue. I mean, we'll bring it back. That's what Washington's been doing a little bit better with Heineke. We've seen improved O-line play. It's been just a little bit more consistent. The Bucks are getting a little bit better O-line play lately, and they're, they're winning games now. Exactly. So I, I think this is a problem that they're going to have for at least another two seasons because they can't address it. It's not a quick fix, especially yet since you said you can't address it because you don't have the draft picks. Plus, a lot of linemen, we see them take a year or two to really acclimate mm-hmm. to the just the sheer strength and speed that these DNs and D linemen are bringing. Yeah. So, within with that said, like I want to hit our last topic. So, our last topic here, you in particular, not me, because I always believed in this man. Okay. <laughs> From day one, I believed in him. Day one. Okay. Do you think that the Geno Smith extension is coming, and do you think it's a good idea? Oh, Geno Smith. Shit. He's had a fantastic story of a season, mm-hmm. and... I think as an organization, you have to ask yourself, if we don't keep him, who's replacing him? That's always the problem in the NFL, which is why so many guys get overpaid because they get Mm -hmm. so worried about who's replacing him. They're not in a position to draft somebody really high without paying a lot for it. They did get Denver's picks, uh, first round pick this year. That's fair. The only issue, though, is Denver's three and six, but they might start trying to pull it around. Mm, I don't think Denver's going to get too high, though. Oh, no. They're still in the top 10 for sure. So you have that plus your pick. So you can get up there if you need to. But like we just also said, there's not somebody that you probably want to go up there and get. I would just see if I can string him on for another. Do an extension that you can easily get out of if needed. Okay. So right now, as it stands, Seattle has the, let me see here, the number three overall pick. Okay, so they could definitely. And then they've got the number nineteen overall pick, so there's ammunition there to get something done. But I agree with you. Keep Gino, get your guy, groom him. I love the way the team's playing with him too, though. So that's worth something, right? You have guys. This isn't a wasted season, like we all thought. Yeah, with him at quarterback, so you can keep building a team, maybe solidify some other stuff that you need to while giving your time for your rookie to learn the system and then come in. Yeah, this might be the cleanest rebuild I've ever seen. It's impressive. I got to give them a lot more credit because I know, like you said, I did not believe it was going to work very well. (laughs) I thought they should have rebuilt. I just thought it was going to take a season or two. For sure. I think everybody was in the same boat as you. So, all right. I mean, before we move on to next week. Yeah, yeah. I... Like I keep always saying, I'm going to say this again. Let's see Geno Smith next season when teams get film on him. Or at least film on him in the Seattle's in Seattle's offense. Offense, yes. So it's going That's to be a, good point. a different story, which is why I say if you extend him, make sure you can easily get out of it. All right. Well, I'm going to earmark that one because I'm going to bring that shit back up next season. So <laughs> when he's we're, we're, leading we're gonna the MVP see. talks. Exactly. When he's the Jalen Hurts of the league next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shitting over him then to you know I'm uh, I'm happy for Geno Smith. He's awesome that he's playing well. All right. So then looking ahead to next week, Matt, we've got four games here. We can lightning round it if you want. Sure. So let's go with the first game. We've got unlikely matchup, Chicago Bears, Atlanta Falcons. Who you got? Ooh, and this one, I'm going to give it to the Bears. Their offense has been scoring a lot more points lately. I think mm-hmm. we're going to get another good game out of uh, Justin Fields. Okay. I would also go with the Bears. Uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons are allergic to doing the right thing. Right. I know they're in the hunt for their uh, for the top spot in the NFC South, but I just don't see it happening. I'm going to go with the Bears as well. What's the next game? New York Jets versus New England. Oh, uh, I'm going to go New England because they got blown out the last time the two of them played, and I don't see Belichick letting that happen twice. That's a solid reason. I'm going to stick with the hot Jets. Seems like everything is going their way right now. I'm going to ride the hot hand. Okay, all right, all right. So then we've got 
our potential game of the week next week. Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers. Who you got? Oh, I went with the Chargers last week, and they let me down at the end. I thought I was cruising to a win. I'm not going to pick them this week. I think Kansas City is going to be too much. Okay. Well, then I am going in the complete opposite direction of you. I want to believe. (laughs) I want to believe. I know you want to believe on the Chargers. Okay, so let's see it happen. Let's, Let's go ahead and put Matt in this place, Chargers. Let's take home this dub. Okay, okay. And then the last game we have here, we've got my Dallas Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. What so, you got? Recent success makes me want to go Minnesota. I think Dallas might surprise us on this one, though. I'm going to pick Dallas. That is the right, the absolute right choice. For no other reason than it's like a 8-15 game. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Cousins doesn't do good in prime time. Never has. That's the only reason I'm taking the Cowboys. I think that the Cowboys have a good team, but they are awful against the run, and Dalvin Cook can run the shit out of the ball. Oh, also, anyone not named Trayvon Diggs in the Cowboys secondary is a liability. So, so Justin Jefferson's going to fucking eat. Well, they need to have Diggs just follow Justin Jefferson. That's what Washington did. We put juice on him. He mm-hmm. still got his yards, but he didn't destroy us. Dallas pass rush, though, has a real opportunity to get there. Oh, yeah. Washington was just destroying the Vikings O-line. So if they can cause some, especially cause some sacks, uh, you could get there. Kirk might throw some up there for Diggs to get a pick. And you know he does love to throw with his eyes closed. So (laughs) I am perfectly comfortable with this plan. So looks like right now we're... In line for the most part, minus the two games, right? You took KC and then uh, the Jets, right? Yeah, so we have two different ones, but... Okay. I can foresee myself prevailing yet again. We'll see. I had some other good weeks. Last week was terrible, except for my Colts. Brilliant Colts pick. <laughs> All right, Matt, we live in the most recent history, okay? We're not, we're not doing anything past last week. If we're ranking the picks on like which one was the most surprising or the hardest one to get right. I feel like the Colts one just eclipses all the rest. Really? You think that over the commanders beating the Eagles? Oh, that's true. Okay. That- oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> well that's right. Take us. You take a step back. Sir. Oh, that game was awesome. <laughs> oh. All right. Well guys, it's been an awesome show again. Love talking with you guys. Thank you for listening again. Always, you could tweet at us at Delay of Game Pod on Twitter. We talk plenty of shit, to, and we have all the facts to back it up. Yeah, make sure everyone, you let all of your friends know to listen in on all this fun. Had a great time. Till next week. Bye.